This podcast is produced by EnergeticCity.ca, your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To support local news and this podcast, go to EnergeticCity.ca slash join to find out more. Now, an in-depth look at the news and information shaping our community. This is Moose Talks with your host, Doug Craig on Moose FM. Welcome to the show. A little later on, we're going to be catching up with Isabel Kayford, a local advocate for a federal DIPG Awareness Day. She's been on Moose Talks and on the morning show several times. Her daughter, Adora, passed away three years ago from an inoperable brain tumor, and her family has been advocating, uh, among others, for more awareness about the disease. So we'll talk a bit about uh, that process, including a bill that's in front of the Senate as we speak. But first, the BC legislature just finished up for the spring season yesterday. So to tell us all about what he liked and what he didn't like about the government's agenda for the past few months, we're joined now by Peace River North MLA, Dan Davies. Dan, welcome back to Moose Talks. Hey, good morning, Doug. Great to be here. So let's uh, let's talk about the session wrapping up. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's one of those things where so much seemed to happen in such a quick uh, uh, amount of time. Give us kind of quickly kind of your thoughts on uh, on what you liked, what the government did, and and some of the things that you, you're not so impressed with. Yeah, well, you know, I'll, I'll start with the big one, which, of course, uh, um, is the biggest agenda item probably in the entire session, and that's the budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the budget wrap. Uh, we voted on it last night. Uh, we did not vote in favor of it. I mean, it's just we couldn't. Um, you know, far too much reckless spending, uh, you know, far too much debt. I mean, again, as I've, I've said to a number of people in conversations, you know, British Columbia joined uh, the uh, Confederation in 1871, and it took, uh, you know, right up until 2017 to collectively gather $50 billion in debt. In the last six years, this government has added another $50 billion in debt. So we're, we're now approaching $100 billion in debt, uh, which is something that, you know, our kids and our, our great-grandkids are going to have to be paying for. Uh, along with that, of course, our credit rating was uh, uh, was dropped down, uh, which impacts uh, uh, the money that we borrowed. Now the interest rate is going to be higher. Uh, it puts us in a less uh, desirable position when we're looking at attracting people. And this government already has troubles attracting, uh, you know, businesses because they are not a business friendly government. Um, you know, we we've seen uh, taxes upon taxes and fees and uh, all of these things that are going on top of it. and not just on businesses, of course, on people as well. I mean, we're, I think we're about 25 new taxes and fees that have been introduced since this government has taken, uh, taken power. But we are, we are constantly seeing businesses struggling, and businesses are the backbone, the absolute backbone uh, of, of our economy. Uh, and, and, you know, when we, when we see that uh, oil and gas companies, they, they can't get their permits to do the workforce, companies can't get t- uh, uh, fiber, mining companies can't get... Uh, their their minds approved. I mean, where is the money going to come from? And this has been a long theme that we've seen uh, over the past uh, five, well, I guess six years now that they've been in government, that we've seen just getting worse and worse and worse. And at the same time, the affordability, and it's all connected, the affordability gets worse because the only way they can make up those shortfalls is by taxing. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, a huge, it's a huge issue, Doug. Mm-hmm. And I know, uh, I think we talked about this last time you were on because it had just been kind of breaking, but lots of forestry news uh, that's kind of propped up in, in the past few months while this uh, government was in session. Yeah. 
I mean, do you foresee the government really doing anything more for forestry workers that are now being laid off looking for new jobs, uh, doing anything really to improve the forestry sector at all as we go into the fall? No. And, you know, the, the, the numbers, sadly, they've actually put in their own budget, uh, forestry and as well as the oil and gas revenues, uh, both of them dropping about 30% expected uh, dropping in revenue. So mm-hmm. obviously they've already predicted that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, and again, this is a government uh, that uh, is, has no desire, really, it seems. You know, I would think they would like to, but it doesn't seem that they are trying to build the economy. They're doing the opposite. They're tearing it down. And we're starting to see people move to other, uh, other jurisdictions, whether it be Alberta, uh, companies moving to Alberta or moving, moving uh, uh, southbound. Uh, you know, to the states. So, uh, like I say, it, it worries me. Uh, it, it worries, you know, I have, I have children. I would love to, for them to stay in British Columbia, but I worry, is there going to be anything left for them to stay for in British Columbia? Mm-hmm. Now, I do know, again, I, I think we talked about this last time you were on, um, some of the mandates uh, finally ended uh, that required, you know, people to wear masks when they're in the hospital. Um, and if I remember right, too, they're also northern uh, not just northern health but uh they are looking at rehiring healthcare workers who lost their jobs due to uh the vaccine mandates that were required by uh the healthcare system that that has to be something you were you were pleased about even though it took a lot longer than you wanted it to well i'll believe it when i see it because it hasn't happened yet uh in fact uh minister dix was asked this question just a few days ago uh we asked him uh, shirley bond our, our health critic uh asked them when are you going to be hiring back the uh, uh, unvaccinated health workers. And there was no definitive answer given. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like I said, as, as, far as, I, uh, as far as we know, um, there is no plan by this government to hire back our, our healthcare workers, which is absolutely shameful. We've got, uh, you know, I think there's uh, certainly more than 2,000 healthcare workers around the province that, you know, are ready to come back to work. And what are we short of, Doug? We are short healthcare workers. So <clears throat> to me, it's a, uh, something that we need to be looking at. And you know, this is still one of our biggest issues that we that we do face in this province is a crumbling healthcare system. It is absolutely on fire. It's in shambles. Uh, you know, uh, the then Premier Horgan even even admitted that our healthcare system uh, is in shambles, and it, it, and all they're doing is the same stuff over and over and over again, hoping for different results. Well, we know what that does. You know, that's absolutely insanity, is what it is, and it's no different on the crime. You know, crime and disorder. Crime and disorder is up everywhere around the province. And this government just tries to do the same stuff over and over again and hoping for different results, which, of course, we're not getting. You need to do something different. All right, Dan, uh, I just want to ask you about this bill that uh, you introduced um, that would essentially allow peace officers to deal with abandoned vehicles uh, faster, um, you know, remove them from the highway, what have you. Uh, Tell us a bit about this bill and and sort of the improvements uh, you're hoping that the bill would make and that the government will will think about making uh, to, I guess, the laws and and the process that that happens. So, so I, I introduced uh, introduced a private member's bill uh, this week, and it, it's a very simple bill, actually. It's just a, a, a little bit of language change, but it's language change that allows uh, peace officers to uh, make a decision uh, and, and say, you know what, that vehicle is unsafe and it needs to be removed. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, that vehicle, you know, uh, upside down in a ditch because it was a rollover. <clears throat> you know, right now, and I'm sure, you know, all your listeners have been on the highways enough uh, you drive around, you see a vehicle, it's wrapped in police tape, and yep. you drive by a week later, it's still there. And, it, it, you know, these are huge safety hazards. So, you know, it, this is basically to give 
uh, peace officer, so that you know that that's anybody that uh, has that authority, um, the ability to say that is a safety concern, tow it. Now we need to get it off the road or get it out of the ditch. So it, it's a it's a pretty simple bill, uh, but it just gives that language, um, you know, to uh, uh, you know to uh, the agencies that they can do this. And and you know a lot of it comes from not only myself, you know, even driving to Victoria a few times, I'd see vehicles, and then a week later driving back, it's still on the side of the highway. Mm-hmm. But of course, you, you recall a couple of years ago the horrific crash uh, just south of Fort Saint John, um, uh, where the the tanker truck and and of course, the highway was closed for a number of weeks Yeah, uh, and sadly resulted in the fatality. But that was an abandoned vehicle that was hit on the side of the road. And, uh, you know, these are things that we can make our highway safer. Very simply, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Is there some reason they can't, like peace officers can't make that determination now? Is there a time limit they're, they're kind of adhering to? What, what, why does this bill well, make that possible, Dan? Yeah, well, I think it more changes the... Uh, the language from a should to a shall. Um, okay. You know, it, it kind of, it's more directive. Um, you know, our, our different agencies, uh, you know, and, and jurisdictional too, right? You know, can connect, uh, you know, a CVSC uh, person, what is their authority or what is the authority of a sheriff even? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do they have that authority? And <clears throat> this clearly states out all peace officers have the authority uh, to, to make this call. And uh, I, I think that is... The, the couple little changes that uh, that will help, and again, it'll it'll certainly clarify that uh, no, this needs to be done. You know that you you as a uh, as a person of authority, as a peace officer, you know if you see something unsafe, you can make that directive. All right, and as you said, you just introduced this, so because the session is over, yeah. um, you'll be coming mm-hmm. back to it more in the fall, I suppose. Eh? Yeah, that's right. And and I had a chance. I, I talked to uh, uh, the minister uh, about it uh, after I introduced it, and. Uh, he is very interested uh, in in talking about it. Now, uh, to be honest, the uh, uh, you know private members' bills, I, I since I've been elected, have not been called. Uh, I think one of the Green Party ones got called, but that was because they had a relationship. Uh, yeah. when they were prop, propping the government up. But um, but you know, uh, the minister told me that they are going to be doing some amendments uh, to the act in the fall. So. Uh, he's he's very interested in including those. So you know what? It's a good idea. I don't care if my bill doesn't get called, but if it gets put into the act, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's quickly talk about the recall notice. Of course, uh, made news a couple months ago that a group of citizens uh, were trying to pass around a petition to get signatures to trigger a recall election for you. Um, it really ended with little fanfare, as if I remember right, the petition wasn't handed in on time, and so that that was kind of the end of that. Just kind of your thoughts on on the process and sort of how it it just sort of ended. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well. You know, I, I certainly, again, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I recognize that, you know, these are people exercising uh, of their right, uh, part of the democratic process, which I applaud and I, I, I encourage anybody to uh, get engaged, get involved. Um, you know, I, I have met with the, uh, the proponent. Uh, we've had a conversation. Um, you know, I, I've uh, certainly, um, you know, listened to a lot of what they have to say. Uh, things, you know, obviously we can always improve on, on doing things and, uh, I, I get that not everybody listens to the local media or media in general. Not everybody is on Facebook. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to find different ways, better ways that I can make sure that I'm communicating out. I'm going to be starting a newsletter here this month, uh, you know, trying to get, you know, a, a different avenue to get information out. And um, like I say, it, uh, 
um, it, 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 it is what it was. It, uh, you know, uh, some folks had a beef and, and you know, let, let's be honest, I am not going to make everybody happy all the time. I mean, it, it, it's absolutely impossible. I mean, people are too, you know, too much on the spectrum, uh, right to left and, and left to right and everywhere in between. Uh, but my, my role, though, is, is to do the best that I can to make sure that I am listening to residents in Fort St. John, Taylor, Hudson's Hope, uh, Fort Nelson, and everywhere in between, and try and come up with, you know, something that is going to work best for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that is not going to obviously make some people happy, but it's going to hopefully, we're going to try and, you know, represent the majority of people. And and that's what I've always said. That is my role. I, I need to make sure that I'm representing the majority of the people. And, um, mm-hmm. I'll continue to uh, do the best that I can. Um, and uh, always willing this summer, I'm going to be out and about talking to uh, tons of people, going to lots of community events. And, uh, you know, that's where I'm going to be. I, I hope to get a lot of the feedback. All right, Dan, we got one last question for you. Um, BC Hydro has asked the BC Environmental Assessment Office to amend their permit to allow them to leave 45 structures underwater in the reservoir. I think one quote said they think it'll be better for the fish. Uh, I just wanted your take take on this and, and, and what you think of this seemingly happening basically close to the last minute before the reservoir starts to get filled. What What, what do you think about what's happening here? Yeah, and as, as I, I put out a statement as well, uh, you know, I'm not in favor of it, um, you know, and, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, the environmental, uh, the assessment, uh, the, the application that they put in for the amendment doesn't go through. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a way, in, in my opinion, this is a way that the government's trying to uh, save some more money. Uh, you know, they're, they're already embarrassed that, uh, you know, the, you know the, the, the dam is already at $16 billion. Um, I, I think that they probably already envision it going more. So this, you know, how can we save? How can we save a billion dollars? Well, let's let's just leave this stuff underwater. You know what? That's not on. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't believe for a minute that it's good for the environment. I don't believe for a minute that it's good to uh, uh, to leave those structures uh, under underneath the ground. So, uh, you know, we are opposed to it, <clears throat> and uh, you know, we'll continue to push uh, the government to make sure that uh, that you know what it, it's everything's taken out. All right, Dan. Well, we're going to have to leave it there for today. But thank you so much for making some time uh, for us today. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it, Dub. Looking forward to coming home. Uh, I'm still in Victoria right now, home tomorrow, and uh, be around most of the summer. So look forward to talking to yourself and uh, everybody else out there at all the different uh, amazing community events that are going to be happening this summer. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Dan. All right. Take care, Doug. Bye-bye. Bye now. That's uh, Dan Davies, the Peace River North MLA. We'll be right back to talk to Isabel Kayford right after this on Moose Talks. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dub Craig. Now we're here to talk a bit about DIPG Awareness Day or the National Day of Awareness for DIPG. Uh, Isabel Kayford and her family have been working on getting this to become a nationally recognized day of awareness for some time now. We're here to chat a bit about that process and going forward, just advocacy in general for DIPG, which is an inoperable brain tumor. We're pleased to welcome back to the show, Isabel Kayford. Isabel, welcome back. Uh, Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. Um, If this is the first time somebody is hearing about this or or hearing about your story, I thought we'd we'd touch on that a bit uh, first. If you can, tell us a bit about what DIPG is and sort of what kind of its connection to your family. Um, DIPG is a brain cancer that we usually um, see... um, um, 
in children. I'm sorry. I'm going to start that again. <laughs> That's so okay. the IPG is a, um, a, a very aggressive brain tumor that attacks the brain stem and slowly destroy all the vital function. Yeah. Even as um, the brain is still uh, going and it re- remains intact, mm-hmm. and it affects it affects the person as a prisoner in their own body. So that's uh, they call it the worst. Um, even if we have a worse cancer, but they call it the worst cancer for children because the way they die. Yeah. So they are conscious that they're dying. Um, they're losing slowly their vision, their hearing. Um, so um, our fourth little girl, Adora Kayford, was diagnosed August 24th, 2019. And uh, usually when the diagnosis of this is... Um, um, it remains in no parable, incurable, yeah. and it's fatal for every one of them. They gave them nine to twelve months of uh, making souvenirs. Mm-hmm. So now Adora fought for eleven months um, and then passed away. She was um, almost five days in a body coma, mm-hmm. so she couldn't move, talk, eat, or nothing. But she was aware of everything that was going on. So that was. The worst part of everything um, yeah. as a mom is to know that sh- she knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, children, even if it's attacking children, most of the time between five and nine years old, and we do have adults that are, are diagnosed later in life. And this cancer is in the liquid of the brain stem, so it's not something we can go and reach out and take it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, for the last 40 years, we don't have any new treatments or anything. Um, it's been the same thing, 30 radiation and then go home. Mm-hmm. What we want in the last 10 years, we've been hearing a little bit more about the IPG because the, the parents have been um, giving the cancer for studying. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at your little kid, um, as much as hard as, as it is, you have to say goodbye. Um, the only way if we can learn about it is to have it and study it. So. Yeah. Um, it's been it's been uh, better in the last ten years. The parents are getting more involved, and mm-hmm. the cancer has been given for studying. So we're learning more about it. Mm-hmm. But as you say, as of right now, still inoperable, incurable. Um, it's horrible. It's fatal. Uh, yes, and fatal. Um, now, as part of this, um, and I think even before Adora passed away, you guys had started to advocate for more awareness about this because. And correct me if I'm wrong, it's rare, but not that rare, and very little is known about it by just kind of general public, you and me, right? So as part of that, um, there's a National Day of Awareness for DIPG in other countries around the world, and you have been helping to push the federal government to sort of recognize it as a National Day of Awareness. Tell me about why that's important, an important thing to have happen. Um, because the only way we can be loud about it, it we need our government behind us to mm-hmm. help our children. Um, we need the government to be aware. We need uh, uh, um, funding. We need the government to be involved in research. Mm-hmm. And um, we want to find a cure. So mm-hmm. that that's the goal. And um, Fort St. John uh, community has been helping us in the last, since 2021, mm-hmm. Um, for um, signing a petition 
So we were trying to get in uh, to the parliament. We needed over 10,000 signatures. So the first year we only got 400. But last year we got 14,000, I think, and we wow. finally went in front of the Senate. Um, and in April, I want to have the right date, um, mm -hmm. in April 20th, 2023, uh, it was the first reading at the parliament. And um, it was voted for May 17th to be an international um, awareness day for the IPG. Mm -hmm. um, now, everyone voted yes. So mm -hmm. I think there were 140 MP that they were voting. And um, so we do have two more stage. Yeah. Uh, but so far, no one has went against it. So it's looking very good for us. And what they said, um, it won't be um, declared uh, for 2023, but it will be ready for May 17, 2024, and okay. at that point we'll uh, we'll come back and and tell everybody um, the great news by then. Yeah. So your confidence level is pretty high that this is going to happen, <laughs> just not in time for this year. Yes, May 17th is yes. next week. I so. just wanted to let the yeah. community knows that this year um, we don't need to do more petitions. What we're going to do is celebrate. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a big, big win for you. But as yes. you said, I mean, you want the government to be more behind in terms of funding for research and whatnot. Yes. You, you see this as part of it is making them consider a day of awareness for everybody to know about. It's making the government aware that they could be doing more on this. I yeah, suppose. they need to know that our children are <clears throat> suffering, mm -hmm. and um, it is no, is no. Um, not not big involvement mm -hmm. and the family is left behind with no information mm -hmm. um i was uh, lucky to uh, meet 51 moms um last month in tennessee mm -hmm. of the ipg that lost their children and it was such a um a great and amazing experience to meet all these moms. But what we heard the most in all their story is what do we do after our child is gone? Because mm -hmm. we go through this worst trauma and um, and then, boom, the kid is gone. And then we end up doing things that we never thought we would have to prepare mm -hmm. a funeral, a stone, like all these things that a mom and a dad would have never had to think, and it shouldn't be that way. Yeah, and and it does happen because we're just human, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, what we want and what I would like is support for the family after it happens, not just through um, this, the 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 process of of the fighting, mm -hmm. but after, and then for the. The, the siblings that are left behind too. And that's my goal as, as, as Adora's advocate, that we can create uh, something for, for our family here in Canada. Now, May 17, it's um, May, the month of May is cancer, yeah. uh, brain cancer awareness. So May 17 is, 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 it would be amazing to have that. It's international now too, because I think United States and uh, I don't want to say yeah. it's another country. There are other countries that are recognizing yes, May yes, 17th yes. as his day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's look forward then. We kind of assume that next year it's going to be a national day, but you you guys do events and whatnot through the year as well. It's sort of in honor of Adora and sort yes. of the legacy of raising awareness and, and pointing to people towards we want to find a cure. Tell us a bit about that and some things maybe you've got uh, coming up in the next days, weeks and months. 
Um, our main sponsor is Fort Motor Chrysler. Uh-huh. Say that right. <laughs> and uh, um, Fort Fort City Chrysler. There you go. Fort City Chrysler. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, my accent. It's a T. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they always they have three barbecue um, that they do every year. Yeah. And and they um, are sponsoring our foundation with their barbecue. So I have the dates right now. They have June seventeenth. That's going to be the Jeep. The Jeep show. Okay. And we'll have a barbecue there for us and uh, for the foundation. And this year for Adora's birthday is July 26th. What we wanted, instead of being there on on the 1st of July, Mm -hmm. um, I want to do a little um, carnival day. So they they accepted to do that. It will be July 22nd. Mm -hmm. And, And then I will be with their party of the classic car show. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, and we're going to have Bouncing Castle and face painting for children and welcome a little bit of parties because we, I want to say thank you to the community to help us getting where we got. It's been five years or six years, I think, the Canadian moms and that are trying to get the parliament to listen. So it's a great win. Mm-hmm. And the next one will be August 19, and that's their truck show. Okay. And everybody is welcome to come and have a great barbecue and help us um, raise money. What we do with Adora's Foundation here with all these barbecue, the money, we, we keep it here in Fort St. John. And we help children for Christmas like we did last year and the yeah. year before. So more, more of you coming and more of children we can help this Christmas. Wonderful. All right. You said the first one is June 17th for the Jeep June show 17, at Fort City yes. Chrysler. Okay. Perfect, and then uh, we'll be watching. It's one basically one a month throughout the summer. Yes, which is nice, yes, so. once a month, and that, that will be in our yard. So it's lots of room and lots of fun, and some draws, and um, come and have fun with us, and um, and help um, the little kids here in this community. And that's where we're going to keep um, the money here. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're very happy that you took some time to chat with us today, Isabel. We're looking forward to the government saying next year it'll be May 17th, the National Day of Awareness for DIPG. Thanks so much for uh, chatting with us again Thank you for having me again. I'll see you next year. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) That's uh, Isabel Kayford, a local advocate for uh, DIPG awareness. My thanks to our guests today, Dan Davies and Isabel Kayford, for making some time for us. Make sure you stay up to date every morning with local news delivered straight to your inbox. You can sign up for the energeticcity.ca newsletter right now at energeticcity.ca slash newsletters. Now, if you're heading to that uh, Fort St. John, uh, pardon me, Chances Casino Fort St. John Oilers watch party tonight, uh, make sure you enter online for a chance at winning a pair of tickets to see the Oilers game six and when you do check the little box that signs you up for the energeticcity.ca newsletter as well quick reminder you do have to be at that watch party in order to have a chance at winning those tickets now that's our show for today jordan prentice and trey lopashinsky are the producers of moose talks i'm dub craig be well Thanks for listening to this energeticcity.ca podcast. Energeticcity.ca is your only local and independent news in Northeast BC. To help keep us independent and to support this podcast, go to energeticcity.ca slash join.